Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, who's ready for Christmas? Thanksgiving's over. Christmas is here. It's going to be great. We got to look at these old Christmas trees. We stole those out of a dumpster, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, we, we, Christmas is here. I'm excited. I love Christmas. Like, I'm not, like, going to set up my Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving, but I do love Christmas. And I get excited about Christmas. How many have Christmas traditions you do? You, you know, my mom, since I was a kid, to this day she still does it, which is funny. Um, we, go, we go to my parents' house, and all, I'm one of five boys. All the families get it together. And my mom, since we were young, would do this thing where we'd wake up. Whoever goes out first, there's always um, a clue, like on the coffee or whatever, the island or whatever. And it's a, just a piece of paper, and it'll say, like, I don't know, it's just a clue. And it rhymes. They all rhyme. And so you go get the next clue and the next clue. Okay, so there's like 30 clues she does all around the house, outside, wherever. We're running around finding clues. you got to figure out these. Now, this was really cool when we were kids, but you got to remember now we're grown men, okay? Like my older brother's almost 40, and we still do this. We're just running around. We're like, it's the toaster. The toaster. You put bread in it. It makes bread hot. It's the toaster. We're going. I mean, we just go. And then the last one is always a puzzle that she's made, and she colors our names on it. So all of our presents don't have a name on them. They have like a like a um, like a symbol, and you got to figure out what your symbol is. Is the whole game, and so on the puzzle is a code. Once you put the whole puzzle together, your name has your code next to it. Okay, but it's a whole thing. So I love it. I look forward to it every year. Now that I'm a dad, I get to do it. So this is our first year spending Christmas here, and I get to do it. But I'm not as nice as my mom, so I'm just doing like calculus equations. I'm like, Eli's like that. I can't even read. I'm like, well, you're gonna learn today if you want presents. So. I am excited about Christmas, and I love this idea of the Prince of Peace, the Christmas story where all eternity shifted, where everything changed, where there was a line drawn in eternity. And I've talked to you all about this before, about Jesus coming at just the right time. He had to come exactly when he came. And I think this moment in eternity changes everything, and it can change everything for us as well. Luke 2, 1 through 14 is going to be our theme verse. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. First of all, I just want to stop for a second and say, the Bible, I I appreciate it, but I also wish it wouldn't leave out some of the gory details of real life, okay? Because we just passed over real quick. She had a baby in a manger with some cows around her. Like, how many of you have had babies, women? How many of you have had women? How many of you have had a desire to have a baby in a manger? How many... No one? You wasn't like, we're going to go out back in the barn. No, we're not going to St. Luke's, baby. We're going out here to the back. we got a nice hay bed made up for you, and you're going to have that baby right there. Okay, nobody. She, we just, they just write that in there, like, and then she had a baby in a manger. And then I just want you to take your birthing story and put it in there and just imagine that happening. Because there was no guest room available for them. 
And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. I think it's interesting that they leave out a lot of these gory details. They just kind of go over it. When I had my first child, okay, women, y'all know the truth. We, we, men say that. We're supposed to say that, I think, when we had our first. But, like, I just didn't do anything. I mean, y'all know. When men, we just stand there. That was an interesting process. If you've had a child before, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, get ready. You will one day know what we're talking about. And I, uh, they, they find out, we find out we're pregnant. We're excited about this baby. You, you spend nine months preparing for this baby. You, you do more to prepare for this baby than you do to prepare for your wedding, okay? We painted the room three times. She's like, let's do it pink. I'm like, I think it's a boy. She's like, okay, we'll do it green. I'm like, that looks weird. Okay, we'll do it pastel blue. I'm like, well, what if he's a boy, but he's kind of weird because we painted his room pastel. I don't know. Like, what? Pastel is just a weird color. Let's just do it blue, blue. Or like, and there's so much that goes into it, and you paint it, and you change it, and you decorate it, and you change the name four times, and by the time you get it and the baby is ready to come, Life, as you know it, is going to shift dramatically. You go, and we are at the hospital, and for us, this was a big deal. We never thought we could have children. They told us, well, Alex and I, when we got married, you're not going to be able to have children. Alex had a tumor that ate one of her ovaries when she was seven years old. Part of her other ovary, they told us we'd never be able to have children. By the way, first of all, if you're trying to get pregnant, let me just say this. If you're trying to get pregnant and you can't get pregnant, I need to pray for you. I'm on number 11 of people I've prayed for in the last couple months that could not have babies and that got pregnant. Like, it literally is crazy. I'm dead serious. I don't know what it is. People keep going, no way, try it on me. And they get pregnant. And I'm like, don't, don't ask me to pray for you if you don't want a baby. Okay, I don't, I don't know what it is. It's just happening. I'm riding with it. Um, so they tell us we're not going to have a baby. We go, we're finally having the baby. We go over there. Now, husbands, y'all are probably like me. You want to be supportive of your wife. I've seen it in every movie. You know, you just, come on, baby, you got this. You got, and maybe your wife was different than my wife, but like, like she got to a certain point of birth where she just looked at me and was like, get out of the room. I'm like, I'm just cheering you on. You know, you got this. She's like, you're going to have nobody if you don't get out this room. I'm like, yes, ma'am. Okay, I'll just go. I'm going to go get ice chips. They're like, she doesn't need them. I'm like, no, those are for me. Okay, I need some ice chips right now. The process of pregnancy and birth is not glorious by any means. I was a medic in the Air Force, and so I had to deliver babies. And the first baby I ever delivered, I went in, and it was a lady who was a Marine, which if you're a Marine and you're a lady, you are already on another level of toughness. And um, I'm forever scarred from what happened in that room. Um, she just pushed that baby right out. There was no, there was no labor process. It was like, I got to be at, at roll call at six. Ah, baby comes out. I'm, oh, my God. I'm just trying to catch this baby. I don't. The birthing process is not a pretty process. And for all of those of you who have been through it, you know it is not a pretty process. But I love that the Bible in this story just kind of goes like, oh, and then the baby and then the manger and then now the angels are singing. And, but how many of you know in that process, Oftentimes, it is incredibly hard to have that peace and that joy when you're in a manger. I read this yesterday as as I was praying over the message and just thought, 
God, that's what I want to learn in this series. How do you experience the peace and the joy of Jesus when you're in the manger? How do you experience the peace and the joy of Jesus when life and everything around you doesn't seem to be peaceful or joyous? Think of the process. Think, I, I'm a husband. Guys, you know what it's like when you go and, and you go up to want to take care of your family and there's no room in the inn. I imagine Joseph going hotel to hotel, going, my wife's about to have a baby. Please, can you put someone else in the manger? Like, well, I'm going to give you all a horrible Travelocity review. Can you just please... No, okay, next, but hey, my wife's about to have a baby. Uh, how do you keep joy and hope and, and excitement when you're sitting next to a cow having a baby? Seriously, I think sometimes we read scripture, but we don't put ourselves in scripture and process the fact of like, oh, wait, this was real life. She was having this baby next to sheep and farm animals and in hay, and uh, that's not a sanitary environment. That's not a clean environment. There was, there, was, there was no nurses or midwives there going like, hey, let's get the hay away from your hair. You know, it's just, this was a process that none of us would want to endure and none of us would want to put someone we love in the position to endure that. And yet God chose that moment to bring in the Savior of the world. I think there's something that God wants us to learn from that process of why would God choose the most chaotic situation to bring in the most peaceful person that would ever walk the earth. I think if they could do it in the manger, then maybe we could do it in our lives. Then maybe we could experience peace and joy in the midst of our manger, whatever it looks like. Whatever our manger feels like. Maybe it's your job currently. Maybe it's your marriage currently. Maybe it's your family currently. How many of you had Thanksgiving with family? How many of you wish you didn't? <laughs> How many of you did something stupid? How many of you thought about doing something stupid? How many of you left there had to apologize to somebody? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm always been the strongest in my family. And my younger brother, who's now 20, is a bodybuilder. And now for the first time, he called me out to arm wrestle. Okay, and this is the first time that I thought I, he might be able to take me. Okay, because he's like huge. He's, and I'm like, you know what, but I'm going to still do it. And my dad's going, Christian, don't be foolish. You hurt your shoulder. Don't, don't, don't do that. Okay, just let him have this victory. But all of you who are older siblings, no. <laughs> can't let them have anything okay so of course I do it and I hurt my arm more and I tore part of my bicep and but you can't act like that so you know I'm eating turkey like this I'm just like this turkey's real good like what's wrong with your arm like nothing and just like to keep it there sometimes family is its own manger at times family is messy life is messy but how in the world do we keep the peace and the joy of Jesus in a season that can be messy in the manger I want to give you three ways today to stay sane in the craziness of your world, whatever it looks like currently. Number one, keep a clean conscience. Keep a clean conscience. I was 14 years old the first time I went to Bourbon Street. I'm from Lafayette, Louisiana. I'm a Cajun. We took field trips to New Orleans all the time. And I go to New Orleans for our, um, for, for our field trip that we did for like the arts thing for our junior high. And my friends, I hung out with a good group of people. They were like, let's go to Bourbon Street. I'm like, yeah, let's go to Bourbon Street. Now, I, I, y'all have heard about Bourbon Street like I'd heard about Bourbon Street, you know. And, and so we go down there and just, we, we're 14. What are we going to do? You're just walking around, you know. And I got home that day, and I'll never forget the first time in my life feeling the peace of God that I had grown up with. I didn't know how I had grown up with it. Leave me. And I got home, and I just didn't feel right. You ever get in a situation you just don't feel right? You just go, what, what is, why do I just feel? 
And my dad, who obviously knows me well, goes, hey, what's wrong? And I said, I don't know. I just don't, I just don't feel right. I just Something feels off. He goes, are you sick? I said, no. I just, I know, something feels off. He goes, well, what would y'all do on your field trip? I'm like, prayed a lot. You know, just sought the Lord and prayed for each other and went to Bourbon Street. And then we prayed some more. And, you know, he was like, you, you went on Bourbon Street, son? Why would you do that? My God, son, why would you do that? My dad, I don't know. We just want to go on Bourbon Street. And it was the first time I realized that we do live in a world that, that, there are, that we battle against spirits and principalities and rulers of the darkness. And I went somewhere that the Spirit of God could not go with me. And I remember feeling that my peace was gone. I didn't understand it then, but I had lost my peace. Maybe for you it's not Bourbon Street. Maybe it is family. Maybe it is habits or addictions. Maybe it is life has gotten you in a situation and your peace is gone. I want to teach you how to reclaim that peace. Keep a clean conscience. 2 Corinthians 1.12 tells us this. For our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience. I love that. I really want you to listen to this. For our boast is this. He's saying, what do we boast in? We boast in our conscience, the testimony of our conscience, that we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity. Not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God, and supremely so toward you. Keep a clean conscience. I like to keep a short record of wrongs with God. Let me tell you what that means. Maybe if you grew up like me, I was confused about this for a long time. I grew up in a very Catholic culture. Everyone I knew was Catholic. I went to my parents' church in the morning, and I went to mass with my girlfriends in the afternoon. Everybody grew up Catholic. So I thought in order to be forgiven, you had to go confess to somebody. Okay. Now, if you were like me, you had to confess a lot. And confessing to somebody like that is not fun. You just go, like, I've messed up a lot. And like, what'd you do? And you're just like, I don't even want to tell you. I just don't. It's embarrassing. It's hard. It's, I know God doesn't, that's, God never says that. Okay. You go to God for forgiveness. You go to people for healing. So let me explain that. My goal is I wake up every day and I go, God, if there's anything in my heart that's displeasing to you, I repent for it. I don't want it there. God, forgive me for things I've done and things I shouldn't have done. Areas I acted and areas I failed to act in, God. I want to keep a clean conscience before you. I don't want anything to hold me back from you. I love David. David prays his prayer. He says, God, give me clean hands and a pure heart. That's my prayer daily. God, give me clean hands and a pure heart. I don't want anything impure to be in my heart. I don't want anything unclean to touch my hands. God, God I want to be pure before you. I want my conscience to be clean. Now, where people come into that is I do have people around me that I go to and go, hey, I want you to hold me accountable in this area. Hey, man, I'm getting frustrated with my family. Would you just check me on this when you see it in me? If you see me get angry, if you see me get frustrated, if you see this happen, if you see, could you just call me on it because I know you love me? We go to people for healing, God to forgiveness. I encourage you, make getting before God and cleaning your conscience a daily routine. A daily routine. Because there's times that you're with family in the holiday season, you can get so frustrated and mad and bitter at people and angry, and you leave there, and I'm never coming back. I'm getting a new family and changing my last name. I was in the Air Force with a guy who changed his last name. He hated his family so much. He changed his last name to love. I'm like, why would you change your last name to love? He goes, because that's just what I want to be known for, just love. I'm like, well, that's weird. You should have kept your old last name. I'm going to be honest. Was, we, you, it, you can get so frustrated and start to allow things to get in your heart that God never designed to get in your heart. And when you get before God and go, God, is there anything in me that's not from you? God is so faithful to put his finger on areas of our heart and go, yeah, hey, you said that to your brother, and that wasn't, God, that wasn't me. 
okay, God, forgive me for that. God, I don't want that to be my heart towards people. Keep a clean conscience. Number two, stay away from bitterness. Stay away from bitterness. If I could teach you one thing as your pastor, I want to teach you this. Bitterness will ruin your life. Bitterness will ruin your life. There are families that don't speak because of bitterness. There's husbands and wives that have slept in different bedrooms for years because of bitterness. There are children that hate their parents because of bitterness. There's people that murder other people because of bitterness. Keep bitterness away from your heart. Ephesians tells us this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. That last line is very small but very big. Why do we get rid of bitterness? Why do we forgive people when they don't deserve it? Why do we give people a pass when they've hurt us? Why do we let people walk away and keep their dignity when we could make it not that way? Because Christ forgave us, so we should forgive each other. You know how I forgive people in my life that I'm tempted to be bitter with? I think of how many times God could be tempted to be bitter with me. I think of how many times I've messed up and said, Jesus, never again. I'm never going to do this again. Only to find myself back at that same place. And if God could forgive me for that, who am I to not forgive somebody else? Bitterness will ruin your life. I made a commitment with myself years ago. I refuse to allow myself to be bitter at anybody. And it is very, very hard. People hurt you. People say bad things about you. People hurt your family. People hurt your spouse. People hurt your children. And it is very hard to go, God, I'm not going to be bitter at them. I'm going to give them a pass because hurt people hurt people. And I'm a firm believer that everyone is out there doing the best that they possibly can with what they have. And whether they are or they aren't, it allows me to be able to grace them even when they don't deserve grace. The people that have hurt you, you know why they hurt you? Because somebody hurt them. Somebody did it to them and they thought it was normal, so they did it to you. Somebody talked about them and they thought that's just how you get ahead, so they talked about you. Somebody, somebody did it to them and so they're doing it to others because hurt people hurt people. But God's design for all of us is that we wouldn't allow bitterness to get in our heart. Because let me tell you what bitterness does. It wakes you up in the morning. It's the first thought on your mind. You're probably going to see so-and-so today. Remember what they said about you six years ago? Remember that? Remember when y'all were 12 and she did that? Remember when? Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. I hope they get in a car wreck on the way to Christmas. I just hope that. You ever heard that country song, I'm going to pray for you, and the guy prays for like everything to go bad? I'm going to pray a pot falls on your head. I'm going to pray you get a flat tire. I'm going to pray you get. Some of us, that's how we pray. God bless them. God bless them. Just bless them. I'm going to let them go, Jesus. You said vengeance is yours, Lord. So I'm going to give them to you, but you better get them, God. You know, get bad, like. Chicken pox, measles, mumps, I don't know. Maybe they're anti-vax or rubella, MMR. Get them all. You can have them all, Jesus. We trust God, but we want to also have a hand in the punishment. Bitterness will push you to want to make sure you get even with them. How many of you know Jesus never pushed to get even with the people that crucified him? In the midst of his crucifixion, Jesus looks out and he says, God... Forgive them, for they know not what they do. I think there's some people in our lives that we probably need to 
look at them and say, God, forgive them. They, they don't know how bad they hurt me. God, forgive them. They didn't, they didn't realize when they did that to me what it was going to do to me. God, forgive them. They didn't realize when they talked about me that I was struggling already and it was a horrible week and I never, and that's the last thing I needed, God. But God, forgive them. If they would have known, they probably wouldn't have. Keep bitterness far away from you. All bitterness does is kill you on the inside while the other person goes on normally with their life. They're not waking up. When people have hurt you, they're not waking up thinking like, yeah, hurt them, <laughs> shoot them. They're waking up going on with normal life because hurt people hurt people. And the people they hurt are waking up going, why would they do this to me? Why did they? Don't allow bitterness to be in your heart. Bitterness will ruin your sanity. Look at Joseph and Mary. Just imagine if in the midst of her having the baby, Joseph is going, I'm going to show all these innkeepers who wouldn't give me a room. Uh-huh, this is the son of God. And guess what he's going to do? Call fire down on your establishment? Imagine, imagine if Joseph, who's birthing the child of God, was bitter with all of the people who didn't give them a room that night. You know what he would have missed out on? He would have missed out on the greatest moment that ever took place on the face of this earth. Bitterness will cause you to miss out on some of the greatest moments life has for you. Because you'll be stuck being bitter about something while life is going on and opportunities are sprouting up and things are happening. And instead of being able to celebrate and rejoice and have an awesome time experiencing them, we're over here going like, I'm going to get even with them one day. They're going to see, why, how can they even smile right now? If the people knew what they did to me, they wouldn't even be able to smile. <laughs> y'all laugh. Y'all all say, I know y'all say this in y'all's heads, okay? Like I'm the only one that has these conversations. And let me tell you what it sounds like. When that comes up and goes, remember what they did to you? Let me, let me just, please, if you hear one thing today, this will change your life. When they go, when, when that voice in your head goes, remember what they said about you? Remember what they did to you? This is what you say back to it. I've done so much more to Jesus and he forgave me. And if he can forgive me, then God, I forgive them. I've done so much more. I've said much worse things. I've, I've, I've told God, I've promised God many things that I haven't followed through on. And if he can forgive me, who am I to not forgive them? Keeping bitterness out of your life will keep sanity in your world. And then number three, prioritize your peace. Prioritize your peace. Prioritize your peace. What does that mean? That means keep what matters what matters. What matters matters and what doesn't doesn't. There are things that really matter. And there are things that don't really matter. And we can't allow our peace to hinge on the things that don't really matter instead of the things that actually really matter. Proverbs 29, 9. There is no use arguing with a fool, for his ranting and raving prevent you from making a case and settling the argument in a calm way. Hey, let me tell you this. If there's people that have hurt you, if there's people that have done you wrong, if there's people you wish you could, even if you tried to argue with them, this is what the Bible says about it. There's no use even arguing with a fool. There's no use going to Christmas and arguing with your brother who's crazy. There's no use going to Christmas and arguing with your sister that's a, that, that hates you. There's, there's no use. Why? Because they're ranting and raving prevent you from making a case and settling the argument in a calm way. Prioritize your peace. Probably about eight years ago, I had a group of friends, really close-knit group of friends, like matching tattoo group of friends. 
Y'all know those kind of friends? You know what I mean? Let's get a tattoo. We're going to be BFFs forever. Let's get BFF E-E-E-E-E because that's like forever, ever, 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 ever. Like we're going to show up to heaven and be like, where's the room for us with the tattoo? You know, just forever. Tight, tight. Take trips together. Go experiences the awesome things. Share hopes and dreams. Pray for each other. Those kind of friends. And then life as life has happened. And one of our friend group decided he didn't want to be in our friend group anymore. And, and really, it hinged on his, his, him being offended with me. And, and there's a group of us, but it was really primarily between me and him. And I had to make a decision because he just broke up one of the greatest groups of friends I'd had in my entire life. It got weird. You know when it just gets weird now? Like you try and hang out, but you're like, hey, should we get tattoos? No, no, no more tattoos. Okay, all right, no more tattoos. We won't do that together, you know. Y'all want to hear about my dreams? No, all right. Like just, it just got weird. And I had to make a decision in my heart because he kind of left the friend group and the rest of us stayed together and people would go, hey, I saw so-and-so. Do you know what happened with that? And I, and I had to make a decision. Am I going to prioritize my peace or am I going to let my life and my relationships and my frustrations hinge on this person? And I made a choice to go, you know what, I'm going to love him. I'm going to bless him. When people ask me about him, I'm going to go, he's amazing, man. He's awesome. He's great. Love that guy to death. And I'm going to just keep my peace at peace because what matters is my peace. What doesn't matter is this. doesn't matter. If that's the decision he wants to make, that's the decision he wants to make, I can't hang my peace on it. About three years after that happened, he came back to me and he calls me one day and goes, hey, can, can we talk? Sure. And the last time we had talked is what had led to this argument. He had misconstrued a bunch about a conversation we had. And so I'm scared going into the argument. I'm, I'm, the argument. I'm scared going into the conversation. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm like, do I need a recorder? You know what I mean? Ted, can you all hear me out there? Okay. I'm just trying to like make sure that, that everything's good. And we go in and we sit down and he goes, I need to apologize to you. For three years I've been ate up over, over what I did and, and it wasn't you, it was me. Okay, what I wanted to do is jump on that table and go, uh-huh, I knew it was you, sucker. I told everybody, uh-huh, it's him, y'all heard that? Go tell everybody. Go shout it on the rooftops before you come in here and talk to me. I wanted everybody to know. But you know what I was able to do in that moment because I had already forgiven him. I would already decided in my heart that I loved him. I had already released him and let him go and just said, God, I'm cool with it. I was able to just go, bro. Please, I don't even think twice about that. I, don't, I let that go, dude. I love you. I forgive you. Thanks for saying this, but like, I let it go. You know why I was able to do that? Because I prioritized my peace over being right. I prioritized my peace over being the one that wins. I prioritized my peace over being justified. And there's a lot of times we prioritize being right or being justified or knowing, everyone knowing that we didn't do it over our peace. Husbands and wives, there's a lot of times we prioritize being, over, being right over being at peace. I remember so many days, my dad as a kid, him and my mom would get in these arguments. And you ever try and be married before you're married? You ever try and like understand it? Like as a kid, my mom would say something back, dad, go get her. Go get her. Don't let her talk to you like that. Go tell her. My dad would look at me and go, son, be quiet. Okay. One day you'll understand. No, one day I'm going to understand. I'm going to get her. I'm gonna get. And he would look at me and he'd always say this, son, would you rather be right or would you rather have peace? Now, I wasn't married. I'm like, I would rather be right, dad. 
until I got married. And then you know what? Baby, if you think the sky's purple, the sky's purple. Let's go home and get in bed together. I don't know. I'm like, that's just, I'm like, I would rather be at peace than I would be right. And sometimes if we allow the enemy to start whispering us, we will get bent on being correct instead of being at peace with people. And let me tell you that. When that happens in your life, you'll always be right, but you'll always be lonely. You'll always be right, but no one will ever have a relationship with you because they'll go, he's just too, they can't ever, he just can't let it go. They just can't let good enough alone. They just can't, they always have to be right. They have to be the one. I would rather be at peace than I would be right because I keep what matters matters and what doesn't doesn't. Listen, going into this holiday season, there's a lot of things that don't matter and there's a few things that really matter. Imagine if Joseph... In the midst of all of Jesus' glory coming out and them experiences, angels worshiping, shepherds bringing gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Or like Eli told me the other night, gold, myrrh, and Frankenstein. He goes, he goes Dad, what did, what did that gifts look like? I go, well, they're gold, frankincense, and myrrh. He goes, no, that was Frankenstein. I go, no, son, you misheard that. It was frankincense. He goes, Frankenstein. I said, what matters matters, what doesn't doesn't. It was Frankenstein. Okay, I'm good. Gold, frankincense, when they bring him this and all of this is going on, can you imagine if Joseph was caught up in what didn't matter? In the things that, all that had unfolded that night, if Joseph would be sitting there going, I can't believe my wife had to, I had to do this and why would they do this to me? God, God, really this is your son? This is where you want him to be born? God, you, imagine all of the qualms that Joseph could have had with God in that moment. There's a lot. I don't know about you. Maybe you're a better person than me. But if that's me and God says, not only am I going to give you the son, but I'm going to give it to you in such a crazy way. I'm frustrated with God. I'm angry with God. I'm going, God, if this is really your son, why is he in a manger? Who would put their kid in this? Instead of Joseph going in midst of all of the craziness, I get to experience the greatness of Jesus. In midst of all of that could go wrong, what matters is you have just birthed the Savior of the entire world. The Savior of the universe. The world stops in this moment. And Joseph had a chance to decide, am I going to be fixated on all that went wrong? Or am I going to be fixated on Jesus? Hey, can I tell you, Joey, you can come up as I close. There's a lot in Christmas that you can get fixated on. I encourage you, be kind to people. Don't let bitterness get in your heart. Give people an easy out. You know what I did with that guy? I gave him an easy out. You know why I gave him an easy out? Because one day I want someone to give me an easy out. I gave him an easy out because I want someone to give me an easy out. Don't, don't make them. I have somebody that's upset with me, a family member, and, and they're frustrated because they think I hurt them. And I've apologized a hundred times. And when I do, they go, describe to me the ways you hurt me. That's what they say to me. And I'm like, you're crazier than I thought you were. I mean, I describe the ways. I texted them a couple years ago and just said, I want you to know I love you. I'm so sorry if I've hurt you in any way. I'm just young and foolish. I'm sorry. Any way I've hurt you, I'm sorry. Text I got back, describe the ways. How many of you know some of us do that? People, people come to us and go, hey, man, I just want to, you know, New Year's coming up, and I just want to tell you, I'm sorry, man, about what happened this year. And Describe the ways you hurt me. 
let's give people an easy out. Hey, man, don't worry about it. Hey, I love you. I forgive you. Thanks for saying that, but I forgave you when it happened. You're good. It's cool. Let's give people an easy out this year because you know what? What matters is we get to celebrate the greatest event that ever happened on the face of this earth. We get to celebrate Jesus. And when you live this way, you keep what matters, the things that matter. Jesus matters. Jesus matters. Joseph, in the midst of all of this, is having to make a decision. Is my sanity going to hang on my circumstances? Ooh, this is good. If it, if, listen, if, this was, if, if our church was a little darker, people would have already beat me to this. If, is my sanity going to hang on my circumstances? Or is my sanity going to hang on Jesus? Joseph had an opportunity for his sanity to hang on the circumstances that were all around him. And yet he chose to hang his sanity on the things that really matter. God, you chose me. You chose me to be able to be the father of this child. Joseph can look around at everything going wrong, or he can go, can you believe God? God, the father of all fathers, looked down and looked at all the dads in the universe and picked me to be the dad of the savior of the world? What? Me? Jesus, I don't care if I'm in a manger. I don't care if I'm in the ocean. I don't care if I'm in the aquarium. I don't care if I'm in the middle of the Klein Oak High School. I get to be the father of this child? God, why are you so good to me? We all have that choice this season. You have a choice of going to things and going, I can't believe this happened. They showed up. Why would they show up? And all that goes on in those conversations in our head. Or we get to go, God, I can't believe how blessed we are. We get to live in the greatest country in the world. Man, my children are healthy. My family is intact. God, thank you that I'm healthy. Thank you that I'm, thank you for the car I'm driving, the job I have. God, thank you for the bike I have. Somebody doesn't have a bike out there to ride to work. So, God, thank, I'm going to be so thankful for what I have, God. And I'm going to hang my hat and my sanity on you, Jesus, on the things that really matter, the immovable, because everything else is going to change. When I went to uh, Israel this last time, they took us to the manger, okay? The manger. So you go, and they're like, this is the manger. And you're like, this is it. This is where it happened. They're like, near this area. I'm like, so like it could have been here? They're like, or there. We don't know. It's a long time ago. I'm like, and you're watching all these people come and just like touch the manger and like, oh my God, take a, take a picture with me in the manger. Manger. Everybody. I'm in like 43 pictures with people. Oh no, we gotta get the whole group. Everybody get around the manger. And I couldn't help but just go, this doesn't even matter. It's like a rock. Like Jesus is in heaven and Jesus is with me and Jesus is with us. And like the manger's not the big deal. The manger's not what matters. The manger's cool, but it's not what matters. Jesus is what matters. And I encourage you this holiday season to remember, the manger's cool, but that's not what matters. What matters is you keeping Jesus the priority in your life. What matters is you walking a life with a clean conscience, a, cl a life free of bitterness in your heart, and a life prioritizing the things that actually matter. Amen? Bow your heads for me. God, I'm so thankful.
We're so thankful, God, that you chose to come down over 2,000 years ago and reside with us. And in that moment, Jesus, you changed everything. You didn't just change everything there. You changed everything for all eternity. Jesus, we're so grateful. And over 2,000 years later, we're still celebrating you. We're still making a big deal out of you. God, forgive us for the times we've made a big deal out of anything but you. You are the main thing. We hang our sanity on you, Jesus. Not our circumstances, not our situations, not the people around us, not what could go wrong. We hang our sanity on you, Jesus. Today, God, we make a choice. A choice to love you. A choice to prioritize you. A choice to make this season about how amazing you are, Jesus. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, there may be some of you here that have never made that decision. Maybe you've experienced church, you've experienced religion, but you've never experienced a relationship with God where you get to make that the priority. But I want to give you an opportunity today to do that. With every head bowed, every eye closed, this is between you and Jesus. I just want to pray for you. If that's you and you say, Christian, I've never made that decision, but today I want to. I want to put Jesus first in my life. Would you just slip your hand up so I can pray for you? Amen. Amen. Last time, if that's you, Christian, I just want to put Jesus first. You can put your hands down. Now, we're going to pray this. You can pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. You can, as long as you mean it is what I ask. Dear Lord Jesus, today, I realize my need for you. My need to make you the thing that matters. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came from heaven to earth to live a perfect life. A life I never could have lived. Then I believe that you died on the cross. A death I deserved. So that I didn't have to. And then Jesus, I believe that you rose from the dead on the third day. To give me new life. And freedom in you. Thank you for paying my sin bill, Jesus so that I could live a life of freedom. Today, I choose you. I choose to put you first, to prioritize you, and to live my life in such a way that the peace of God resides in me and on me. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, would you give a hand to those that just made the greatest decision of their lives? Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.